Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. You are listening to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jim. And we have two special guests with us tonight. We are going to be looking at some really awesome chapters of the Bible from the book of Romans, Romans chapters 13, 14, and 15. We'll see if how this goes, because we could spend hours and hours, probably so many hours just discussing the, the deep truths in these chapters, but we we're trusting that some of the things that we say will be beneficial to those who are listening. So Jim, let me start out with you, ask you how you're doing tonight. I'm doing great. I'm really excited about tonight and I'm glad we have our two guests with us. Maybe let's, uh, we should, for the benefit of our audience, spend a moment just introducing our two guests, Greg. Absolutely. Ali, why don't you start? Hi, this is this is Ali. This is my second time here on the podcast. Pretty excited to read Romans 13 and looking forward to it. And then uh-huh. we have Val O'Brien. Val, tell us a little bit about yourself and feel free to tell us about the ministry you're involved in. Yeah, no, thank you for having me back. This is my second time also. I'm really, really thankful to be able to discuss God's word again tonight with you guys. So looking forward to it. Um, I work for a ministry called Josiah Venture. Um, They work primarily in Eastern Europe and also in Central Europe, training up young leaders um, and having a heart for young people to come to know Jesus. Um, And we recently have started a Josiah Venture division in North America, which we are thrilled about. And so we're going to be starting to work uh, with young church leaders here within the U.S. and Canada. So I work out of Cleveland, Ohio, though. So that's my home base and that's my home and um, everything that we do with Josiah Venture finds its home in the local church. And so ultimately that is my passion to see um, healthy local churches with healthy leaders that are grounded in the word of God. So that's a little bit about who I am. Fantastic. Well, we, we got to get into the word, but before we do, I have a question for you, Jim. Why didn't the orange win the race? <laughs> I don't know, Greg. Why didn't the orange win the race? It ran out of juice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I never see these coming. You, you know, we really should that, see these coming. Put that in your back pocket. You never know. That might be that. useful right. to you someday. You bet. All right. Well, let's uh let's dive into Romans chapter 13. Um Let's just open it up. What are some of your observations or we're, we're looking for big themes tonight because we can't, we can't necessarily, um, what, what are some of the themes that jumped out at you from Romans chapter 13? Well, Romans 13, I mean, maybe just if we just focus on the first seven verses, the first section here, it's all about, uh, you know, my heading in my Bible says submission to the authorities and about the legitimacy of governmental authority. Um, and I think it's it's spawned a lot of discussion over the years. But the basic idea is if the government is telling you to sin, 
you know, go worship Caesar. Then you say, no, as a Christian, I can't do that. But pretty much everything else, you're under, under the authority of government. And, um, and it's not, it doesn't say, you know, it has to be a certain kind of government that, you know, only democracies count. Uh, this was written long before that. This is, I think, written at a time when Nero was emperor. So it's an awful Roman government. Um, so, but the basic principle, I think, and basic idea is uh, uh, government over you is there for a reason. Um, it's legitimate. If it tells you to sin, you can't do that. That's a legitimate way to, to, to say, I cannot obey that. And a lot of Christians pay for that with their life over the years. But, but other than that, when the government says, this is a rule, you should obey it. That's your, your Christian obligation to obey it. That's, that's a, a, a simplified summary of it, Greg. And then it just launches a ton of controversy from there. Right. Well, you know what's, um, maybe we should back up just a few steps. Um, Romans 13 obviously comes after Romans 12 and Romans 12 is like a huge hinge in the book of Romans because it basically, um, Paul turns a corner and says, therefore I urge you brothers by the mercies of God to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So basically he's saying everything I wrote about in Romans one to 11 which is basically the gospel, you know, chapters one to three, all of us have sinned. Religious people have sinned. Non-religious people have sinned. We're all sinners and we're helpless sinners. We can't save ourselves. But then the good news comes in chapters, you know, four and five, that Jesus, um, you know, made a way for us um, he, he died on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled with God. And so, um, just the, the amazing thing that, you know, the, the good news of the gospel is what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then we learned, you know, we talked about Romans six through eight, Jim, and really talking about, you know, sanctification and how your life changes and how you can, go from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness. But then you have this big change in chapter 12. And it's sort of like, it's important for us to remember that it's in the context of, in light of the gospel, in light of what Jesus has done for you, um, now you should go and live this way, living, living out your Christian life. Where, you know, Tim Keller talks about how religion is more like i obey i obey god therefore i obey therefore i'm accepted by god that's kind of like religion but the gospels operates differently it's i'm accepted by god through what jesus christ has done for me therefore i obey and so um yeah what are your thoughts on this jim well no i'm just this and this is let we really keyed in on this on our last podcast ali when you were with us this is the whole concept of sequence right the first thing is you got to understand exactly you know he has saved me by his grace through nothing i've done and you're right then it turns the corner of chapter 12 but be, after that because of that in light of that out of sheer gratitude now i want to serve him and that's where paul in, in chapter 12 launches into a bunch of commands. And last time we were talking about this, they were saying there are a bunch of staccato commands. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Mm -hmm. And what we were saying is if you'd started Romans with that, you'd say, well, the Christianity is like any other religion. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts is what you have to do. But the sequence is everything. It's really key. I'm, I'm glad you brought that context because then this is a continuation of that. The, the things as a Christian you need to do, then it moves from all those personal things you do to how you relate to your government in chapter 13. Yeah, so jumping jumping into 13, and 
it's it's crazy to me that Paul wrote this when Nero was the was the I mean Nero was not a great guy. Um and so does anybody have any thoughts on like just that whole context of like why would why why did Paul make such a big deal about this, especially under Nero? Um and any thoughts on that, Val? I mean, I was thinking as I read this, um, I've been reading through the Bible in a year, so I've been like, I am deeply in uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah. <laughs> so when I was rereading this passage, I was just thinking, man, this is this is tale as old as time. You know, like, I feel like this could have been written to the church today right now. Oh, yeah. And so I think, you know, obviously the reason that Paul had to write so much about it, he could have written about anything. He could have gone into greater detail um, from Romans 12, even the kind of what he was talking about in there. He could have gone into detail in any of those things, and yet he chooses this. And I think it's because, you know, people were talking about it because the church was wrestling with it because they didn't know what the right answer was. And, you know, you continue to go through 13, 14. There must have been a lot of heated debate over what this really needed to look like in the life of a believer. And so Paul just comes right out and says, listen, this, even in the government that we're in right now, as the people of God, this is what he requires from, this is what brings him joy. This is what delights him as his people when you behave in this way towards the government. But, you know, I think, you know, the reason that he brings it up, even with Nero, um, is because they were talking about it. It was an issue. People were asking questions. Um and the church was not in alignment with what that looked like. I'll, I'll bet you're right, Val. People at the time must have been asking Paul at every turn, you know, surely as a Christian, there must, I hate this thing the government's asking me to do, pay taxes. I don't want to do it. And there must be some Christian loophole or some rationale that I can use to avoid doing this thing I don't want to do. I mean, Nero's awful. I don't want to fund what Nero was doing. And right. um, I have, isn't there some Christian reason I can avoid that or... Uh, any other thing the government says, they just don't want to do it. And so uh, can I have some Christian rationale? And he does kind of put the rest to that here and say, uh, no, is it sin? No. Well, then the answer is no. Um, yeah, you, you have an obligate Christian obligation. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That's good. Those are some good thoughts. Uh, what else in what else in chapter 13 stands out to you? Because he kind of moves on from the government. And talks once again about the big kind of the big theme at the end of Romans is love mm -hmm. and how to love. And again, it's in light of us being, you know, living sacrifices to God um, that we should love others the way Jesus loved us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people should people should see Christ in us. Um, but Ali, what's on your mind? I'm still trying to figure out the the order of everything that it, how it is supposed to be because like it 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 is very tense and you you kind of try and figure out is is Christianity just like any other religion is Christianity even a religion because from what I've learned Christianity is a relationship right mm -hmm. so what what Paul is trying to tell to to the, to the Romans is that you know there are there are certain guidelines which you gotta follow, and I'm trying to figure out if 
if these guidelines are just like you know islam where you know you don't do all the bad stuff you do only the good stuff and if you manage to do that your your he- your heaven ticket is confirmed but if you do not there's trouble but then you know after reading verse 8 you you kind of start learning that everything all those guidelines are based on love right that's what i'm and i'm still learning about it but you know it's where where paul is trying to say that don't worry about all the other rules do not do not commit uh, adultery do not do not steal or don't do any of the bad stuff but as long as you you know you you love each other you have fulfilled the law some i think that kind of it, it all kind of starts making sense when you when you put love in your actions that's what i know that you know if 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 you are going to do the right thing do it out of love and don't do it out of fear where you know all the other religions kind of teach you to do the things but do it out of fear because if you don't do any of that you're going to end up in hell but i think that's where that's where your relationship with god and christianity is different you don't do you don't do things to enter heaven you do things because of your faith in jesus christ yeah 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 i i think that's really important because i think one when you were talking about that i was thinking on the outside you couldn't tell right yeah so, let's say as a really moral muslim who is uh and if you look here there's the verse 13 it talks about avoiding sexual morality sensuality drunkenness so someone could say i avoid those things uh, and i'm a really mm-hmm. for, and, and the basis of my faith in islam or some other religion and some of the christians is the same thing and if you observe both people you'd say see they're the same they're both the same they're both moral people keeping the law yeah. but the you were you were really hitting on it when you're talking there especially towards the end it's it's the motivation so this is really saying the motivation really should be love but it, it's in keeping with that whole sequence idea that greg was talking about from the whole pattern of romans right so um the other religion would say what you're doing if i do these things i'm punching my ticket this is my ticket to heaven right i do these things so that i god will bless me so that i can get into heaven or be blessed yes. but christianity says, and christianity says i already have that he's already given that to me as a free gift i've received it i haven't earned it but i received it mm-hmm. but therefore i want to do all those things and then you have a totally different motivation and you say i'm just i'm doing it out of, out of love for my lord but from the outside it would look the same it would be yeah. hard to distinguish but the the, the key is the motivation inside and why you're doing what you're doing mm-hmm. it should be it should be radically different for the christian yeah it's it's also interesting because well, if you start witnessing to any of the muslim people uh, i i remember this because I, i i kind of tried and witness it to to my sister and she said i actually feel like i'm more christian than than greg is because i was giving your example to her and she is like i'm more christian than greg is because he believes in Isa al-Masih Jesus Christ and I, we believe in it we probably know more about him and if you read so there is there is a there's a Urdu version of the bible which you know some muslim people have read and they say that you know we follow all the all the things that are mentioned in, in the bible so in in some ways we are like uh christian plus so you know we are like a transformation of christian because islam came after christianity so they almost tend to play by that you know that we actually kind of are an evolution of all the christian beliefs because god god sent muhammad and he kind of you know how you you're working on a project it's, it's almost like you're working on a project and you know there are certain things that you want to tweak 
So you install an update, right? So what they claim is that Muhammad was that update. I mean, that's why they say, you know, we believe in Christ. He existed and all, all that stuff that he did. But then Muhammad came and kind of fixed whatever his shortcomings, whatever Jesus' shortcomings were. Muhammad came and fixed those. So it's it's important, you know, uh, to understand that it's a lot more than that. It's not just about, you know, doing certain things. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. And, you know, Ali, just I don't understand enough about it to respond to all those different views on Islam and yeah, couldn't comment on that. But I would just I would say, though, that the idea that where the starting point of the way you were describing it is a fundamental misunderstanding of Christianity, because that is understanding and describing Christianity as if Jesus was a good teacher giving us rules to follow. And then you say, but now I'm just building on that. So I, you know, someone says, I'm a better, I don't believe in Jesus as my redeemer, but I'm a better Christian you because I follow the rules better than you. Mm-hmm. A lot of my non-Christian neighbors could say that. That probably could be more moral than I am. Like, and, and in that perspective, they say, see, I'm more Christian than you because I follow the teachings of Jesus better than you do. Is it's a, That is a fundamental misunderstanding because Jesus mm-hmm. was a teacher, but he was not fundamentally our teacher. He's fundamentally our redeemer, took our place in the cross. And the essence of Christianity is substitution. He did completely for us what we couldn't do. And we're saved because all our sins are put on him and all his righteousness is put on us. So, but, but many, many people in the world, not just Muslims, many yeah. would say he was a good, he was a teacher of love and peace. And the whole point of what he said was to follow the teachings he gave. And as long as you do that, that's the essence of Christianity. And that's absolutely completely, nothing could be further from the truth. That's just not the essence of Christianity at all. That's a, um, that's just another, that would make it into another workspace religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah. And we, we've talked about this, Ali, before, you know, like the uh, a lot of religion wants to change you from the outside in, yeah. you know, by following a bunch of rules and lists of things. But, but Christianity, Jesus changes us from the inside out. And, and that's what's key, especially when you read, like, if you just jump to these chapters, then you could read this like a religious person. Yeah. Like, I've got to do all these things. But that's why the context of like everything that came before is so important. You know, those, you know, those, all those other chapters, you know, Romans 1 through 11, you know, are uh, key to really understand how to live this out. How do we, how do we live this out where, most every government is corrupt. Right. And yet, mm-hmm. and Paul's saying, obey the government, pay them taxes. Like, like the, everything in your flesh says, if, especially if you believe they're corrupt, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat on my taxes. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to report all my revenue, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But Paul's like, Hey, you know, you know, because of the change that Jesus has made in, inside you, you know, um, and, and these authorities have been instituted by me, like um, where to where to follow them. Val, what do you think? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, as I was reading the passage, you know, what does being just again, like the why question, why is that the way that God desires for us to act to authority. What is that teaching us about him? What is that teaching us about the gospel? Because he could have said, hey, you know, you should rebel against every 
any bit of immorality you see, if it's in the government, if it's your neighbor, if it's inside yourself, like you fight against it, you know, like, why is that not the way of Christ? So what is it about how we're being instructed to um, respect the authority of government? What is that actually teaching us? Why is that the way of Christ? Why is that the... Um, you know, I'm just thinking about Jesus who humbled himself and became a servant and um, poured himself out as a drink offering. I'm thinking of um, in Philippians 2, he did not consider equality with the Father something to be grasped. Yeah. You know, and to willingly put him in a subservient position. And so maybe the tie-in Val is in these passages is everyone in the world wants to rebel against the government. Everybody wants to rebel. Like one of the, I, I, Greg hears me say this all the time. One of the key sins of mankind or humankind is the um, no one, but no one tells me what to do. No one tells me what to do. I want to be my own boss, my own savior, my own Lord master. No one tells me what to do. So rebellion is kind of everywhere. And so it would be a real distinctive for a Christian community to say, well, they're the ones that kind of peacefully do go along with the government. It's a, and, and, it would really be a, a big witness for in a lot of different eras of history for the Christians to live this out. And I'm thinking of maybe that's, maybe that's the tie in with the whole second, maybe that why these two pieces are in the chapter 13 together. That's what I, yeah. Yeah. So you're I, thinking, you're like, 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 I was, yeah. Okay, please go ahead. Cause I, oh, I said it better than I did, but <laughs> I know that's the way that I, I was kind of thinking about it too. Like does just being people that are under authority, does that even just flex our flex our muscles, teach us what it's like to be under the authority of God and get used to that place of like, we are under the authority of God, but in the case of government, we'll never be under perfect authority or loving authority, but like, but isn't it amazing that when we're under, as God's people, we're under a perfect, um, under a perfect King, like under perfect yeah. authority, you know, and that it just kind of trains us exactly what you're saying to say, like to humble ourselves and not say, you know, I want to be in charge of everything myself, but because we're intrinsically not that as followers of Jesus, we're not a man of ourselves. We are all people under authority. He's saying, listen, you're under God already. You may as well submit to the government and let's just go along and get other work done. <laughs> well, so if you do, you know? that, kind of, you're, then you're also kind of submitting to each other, right? Uh, like I'm looking at verse not eight. Oh, one and not knowing anything except to love each other for each one, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. So you're submitting to the others too, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of, that kind of community that that would build and the testimony that would show, but um Look, I think the principle, I think, is clear. I think the application, there's so many historical, there are places around the world now you'd say, seriously, you're supposed to obey that that government? Mm -hmm. um, and historical examples, you know, so in, in Hitler's Germany, you were supposed to obey that government. And then the example, a lot of Christians always talk about the American Revolution, you know, should, should you have been part of the American Revolution or should you have been loyal to the king? Come on, you every, every American knows you should have rebelled against the government, right? And but there's a lot of Christians who debate that and say, maybe you shouldn't have, you know. Uh, I heard one theologian who's talking about that saying, he was asked that question, what would he do? And he said, I would move to Canada because I should have stayed loyal to my to the king and I don't like it, but I should. Like, wow, that was an answer I was not expecting at all. <laughs> so anyway, so the principles are here. It's fun to talk about these, these but Christians have really wrestled with mm -hmm. all the exceptions. Or look, maybe they're just looking for exceptions. Maybe that's our heart saying, seriously, this, this government now, that rule, that rule, I don't like it. Um, so 
Does anyone have, let's, let's kind of wrap up our thoughts on chapter 13. Is there anything at the end of the chapter that stood out to you? I mean, I really like verse 14 where it kind of ends the chapter by saying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And that word desires is that word epithumia, which is an over desire. And it's not just a desire desires for bad things, but it can be uh, good things that we make into ultimate things um, in place of, of Jesus. But I like that whole idea of like put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and how it kind of reminds me of a little bit of the beginning of chapter 12, you know, um, being living sacrifices. It's a choice that we make, you know, am I going to walk in my flesh or am I going to put on Jesus, you know? You have any thoughts hey, on that, Jim? Well, I'm going to ask a question. That, and uh, I don't know if this is an avenue you want to take, but it didn't occur to me until just now when you're reading it. Does that teach a sort of Christian asceticism, the monasticism? Think about the Middle Ages where the monks said, you know, deny all worldly pleasure. The Bible, Look at Romans 13, 14. Make no provision for the flesh. So, you know, the, the question sometimes and I ask in a, in a Bible study, should a Christian eat an ice cream cone? Is it okay for a Christian to eat an ice cream cone? There's no, there's no utilitarian value to an ice cream cone. It's just fun. Mm -hmm. Is that like okay? And honestly, that question spurs a lot of com conversation about, you know, because <laughs> it's like maybe it's not okay. You know, maybe not like wait, wait, is God supposed to is a killjoy? And never supposed to have any pleasure. So I mean, I, I I just looking at that verse, Greg, what do you I mean? It could it could it be read to say, Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You should live simplify, simplify, right? And have uh, take that kind of worldly pleasures out of life. What do you think? I definitely don't think it is teaching that extreme view that you just mentioned. Um, <laughs> because I think when you put on Jesus, you put on the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and I mean, joy is one of the fruits of the spirits. And there's lots of um, that. I think the thing is not to let anything in this world take the rightful place that only God should have in our hearts. Right. Um, to not make a good thing into an ultimate thing. That's where it's it's dangerous. But it is interesting. I mean, it is a strong verse. It is a strong verse. But um, I I I don't believe that that's what it's teaching. I mean, Anybody I else have any? Yeah, anyone else? Val and Ali, what do you think? I feel like, you know, when we talk about coming to Christ, and we talk about changing from inside out and not, you know, outside in. It, it also makes me wonder if God actually knows you inside out, right? Does God know what you're thinking? Does God... You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you can put up a put up a put up an image of uh, a really righteous man, but what if you know deep down inside you're not? So it's also about accepting Christ from all your heart, where you know you you also kind of accept that God knows you inside out. So the things that you do and the intentions that you do that with, God knows that too. So as long as you're you're living a life with good intentions. I think God would be happy with that. God would, you know, in a way you can say God would approve that. But if you're if you're having that ice cream cone for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> <laughs> then 
God would know that too. You know, if if you're if you're having that ice cream cone to finish all the ice cream cones so that no one else can have it, that is probably you know, a, some some degree of sin <laughs> because your intentions are wrong. But if your intentions are right, if your intentions are, you know, towards God, I think uh, as long as you live with good intentions, you'll be all right. Belle, what do you think? I know I'm 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 thinking about the second trip I made up to get ice cream last week on vacation. <laughs> Wait, no, no, for the audience's benefit, you were camping. You were, you were, you were living the uh, ascetic lifestyle. I, yeah. I, was, I wasn't intent. I for the. I had a frosty tonight. Call yourself a Christian. You're, you're in trouble, Greg. Um, Ali, I was thinking something similar. Although I went to like a a darker, more extreme example of like I think you know if I see somebody who's hungry. Mm. And I'm going to eat in my ice cream cone because mm. I want an ice cream cone. Yeah. I'm hot. It's a hot day. And there's a hungry kid standing behind me and I only have five bucks. I feel like those are, and again, we're just talking, I, I haven't studied this in, in detail, but I think that that's, it's part of the comparison of like, when push comes to shove, are you doing things that are just satisfying your own fleshly desires, satisfying yourself, living for yourself, or are you, um, putting others following in the example of Jesus, putting on the example that he gave to us um, and putting other people ahead of yourself. And so maybe it's not as just like extreme as never, ever, ever, ever do anything that you enjoy or feels good, but um, more of this idea of, but that's as a follower of Jesus, that is not your number one priority. So those are great answers. I'm sorry. I didn't cut you off. No, no, no. No, because like the the monastic idea was it's fraught with peril. It's hard to figure out. So just cut it out entirely. When Ali, you were talking about like, it's your intentions, your motivations. And then now you're talking about like, you know, am I doing this instead of giving properly? So it's not, you take the extrapolate from the ice cream example. Someone could say the point of my life is to have enjoy as much as I can. Like a a glorified form of hedonism where you, you, a lot of, I hear a lot of kids today are saying, you know, the theme is you only live once, so get as much pleasure out of it as you can. In other words, as an organizing principle for life, it's an ice cream cone organizing principle for life, right? More for me, more pleasure for me at the expense of serving others. So yeah, there is a place where that's wrong. The monastic idea was, well, then don't just don't do any at all. Just cut it all out instead yeah. of dealing with that tension. And that's not it either because they're not, they're not really not still dealing with the hard issue. Um, look, I'll just one, I guess, simple thing, because he's talking about, uh, in my version, in verse 13, avoiding orgies and drunkenness and sexual morality and sensuality, talking about a very hedonistic world that he was living in at the time. And he says, make no provision for the flesh. Today, you might say, look, if you struggle with alcohol, don't like hang out with friends in bars, right? They're making That's making provision for the fle- for flesh, where you're putting yourself in that situation where it's going to be very, very hard to uh, fight temptation. Um, I think I think Paul may be getting something more along those lines, saying, "Look, you're in a world where there's tons of morality. To the extent you can, you can put yourself out of those situations um, to to be to pull away from the world and walk with Christ." One of the things I like to uh, teach is that as Christians, we have three enemies: the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the only enemies we have. We're not enemies with each other. Um, but, you know, and it's interesting that 
in Romans 12, 1 and 2, what does he say in Romans 12, 2? He says, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you, we, we have this world that is constantly trying to push us into its mold. Um, and I heard an interesting story. Like, imagine if in Hollywood, they decided that for the next five years, every woman actor was going to be bald. Mm. Like, how long would it take for bald women to show up in a church? How long would it take for Christians to start adopting, you know, that that look? And and that's kind of the idea that the world is is change, you know, is constantly trying to push us into its mold. And obviously, it's kind of a silly example, but I think <laughs> it does make a point that so often we we don't even know how we're being pressed into the mold of the world um uh it's not it's not obvious to us you know but the world the flesh and you know and then here this verse is you know put on the lord jesus christ make no provision for the flesh that's the other uh enemy to gratify its desires and i did read in a commentary that god uses passage to show augustine who is one of the great theologians of the early church that he really could live the Christian life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think maybe that's part of the thing is like, we can live the Christian life if we let the Holy Spirit, you know, live through us. And, you know, that whole battle between the flesh and the spirit, that the, the struggle of the Christian life, it's a real struggle. So let's move on to chapter 14, uh, uh, this is an interesting chapter, too, because it talks about someone whose faith is weak. Um, what, what do you guys make of this? Uh, this chapter. Well, <laughs> so, so. You know, it says like a, to read a read a read a verse or two here. Yeah, we should. Why don't we read the? Uh, let's just read the first paragraph of it. As for the one who who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on this on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and to, to be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So this is kind of interesting. This is this is about loving each other as Christians mm -hmm. and how you know, there are, there are essentials that we all must hold on to, but there's, but then there's a lot of disputable matters or gray areas, um, where people have strong convictions. Um, and, uh, you know, in the context here, some people refuse to eat the meat because it was sacrificed to idols and they just, you know, um, you know, that was their conviction, but then, I guess the person and and they were considered were they they're the, they're the weak ones right but then the strong person was the one who understood what jesus said i declared all foods clean and you know they were able to eat whatever um 
<laughs> this is this is just kind of like Christians getting along, you know, with different convictions. And I think it's pretty applicable today, don't you think? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that the idea that it's about Christians getting along comes out because there's a couple places more than once. He says, stop passing judgment on each other. So there's definitely a lot of judgment going on. Um, and these are these are areas of conviction. But I do think and you 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 you, you touched on it a second ago. And I'm remembering because I remember uh, there's a uh, hearing Keller preach on this a couple I mean, many many years ago I heard this so I don't remember very well but I thought one of the points he made that I thought was interesting was the person who is tougher on themselves the person with more rules that they're following the person who says you know I have these convictions and I'm going to follow these rules I'm not going to do this I'm going to do that they would generally think of themselves as I am the strong Christian I'm the strong Christian because I don't eat ice cream cones right or whatever whatever mm -hmm. it is I do I've taken I've cut this out of my life and I've they don't do this and I don't do that and see, and then you look at you people, you indulge yourself, your ice cream cones, whatever you do, you're the weak ones. It's the opposite here. It's the one with it all is. the rules that is described as the weak one. When they would have said, Well, what do you what do you what do you mean? I thought I was the one being, you know, hard on myself and trying to shape up, and you're calling me the weak one. So that's the first surprise. And then the second surprise is that all the admonitions are to the strong one. He doesn't say the weak one, you know. You know, lighten up and eat some meat. You know, you're you're, you're fine. You, you know, your convictions are baseless. You know, it's you're too hard on your. He doesn't. He doesn't there's no admonishments to the weak. It's all the admonishments are for the strong, the one with the Christian liberty to not judge the weak one. I just and I, um, I said the kind of startling. This is a startling way to to write about this and put it. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have written it this way if it was me, I and I wouldn't have thought of it this way. It's just it's very it's fascinating to me. It is, and you know I realize I think one of the, you know there's lots of disputable matters um, that we could discuss. I think one of them could be alcohol. Sure. Um, and I realize I'm a weak brother when it comes to alcohol because I would prefer to live in an alcohol free world where there was no alcohol. You know, and I. And the interesting thing about that is I've never, I've never been drunk in my life. I'm not tempted by alcohol. I just would prefer that it's not even an issue because I just see how it's destroyed so many people's lives and how people, you know, how it's so, but I realize I'm a weak brother because, um, biblically speaking, alcohol is not evil in and of itself. Right. It's, you know, the Bible says it's a sin to be drunk, but it's not a sin to drink alcohol. Now, why do you say you're a weak brother, though? Because you just don't, you sound so indifferent to it, the way you just described it. Like, it's like, be you don't care about it. Or you're fine with the world, didn't have it. But you don't feel like you're deriving some kind of righteousness. I Like, like you say, I don't drink and I'm better than the person who does. Or You don't seem like well, that. I think it's because I... Well, first of all, part of my point in sharing this is I think that we tend to think of a, we we tend to always put ourselves in the stronger brother situation. Like when whenever we read the scripture, it's kind of like it's kind of like when we read about the Pharisees. Uh, you know, we, we're always we never want to put ourselves. We're always like, well, I'm not a Pharisee. Right. You know, we 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 don't allow ourselves to go to the place. Well, maybe there is a little bit of Pharisee in me. You know, um, so whenever we read passages like this, nobody wants to admit they're weak, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the weak brother here is the one that has it, it doesn't, you know, Jesus, Jesus said it's okay to eat all foods, right? Mm -hmm. 
That was his declaration. But this person, this person says, no, I cannot eat that meat sacrificed to idols. I just can't do it. And mm -hmm. I'm just saying like with, when it comes to alcohol, um, I, I just don't, you know, I, I sort of have that same kind of conviction. Now I'm not, I've got plenty of friends who I don't, I'm not, I have no problem with my friends drinking in front of me or all that stuff. It just, I would just prefer there was no alcohol mm -hmm. in, in the world. And so I think my conviction is it's not a biblical conviction. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what makes it weak. Because if I, if I held to the biblical conviction, I wouldn't, um, you know, think about, um, you know, um, I don't know, the, the ill effects of alcohol or something. See, I always thought, uh, alcohol, I always thought as the classic example for this passage. And I think about someone who says it's sin to drink at all. And uh, alcohol is, any alcohol is a sin, which as you said, is not the biblical teaching. The biblical teaching is don't get drunk, right? But, uh, but if someone had that conviction, so I can't do it because it's sin. And so I'm not going to drink alcohol. And and I and I feel maybe a little bit of self-righteousness because of that. And I don't I don't like people who do that. If I have that person over, if you if you do not have that conviction, you say, look, I don't think it's wrong to have alcohol, but I don't want to get drunk. But you have that person over your home. Then, you know, you you are you don't have to serve alcohol to that person. Forgoing your freedom to drink alcohol while you're with that person is the way you would as a stronger brother uh, treat the weaker brother. You'd say, mm -hmm. it's not sin for me to not serve alcohol, so I won't serve it. So while you're here, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put you in a position where it's gonna make you uh, angry, upset, or tempt you, or anything at all. And uh, that, and that I think is a, the way I've always thought of this passage. That's why I respect your convictions. It's not my conviction. I can think I could have a drink, and as long as I don't get drunk, but I understand it's yours. So I'm not gonna judge you about for that. I'm gonna say, fine. I just. I'm not gonna, but I'm, so I'm not gonna put it under your nose either. Um, I hadn't thought of the way you were thinking of it, though, um, and I think maybe you, what you're thinking of it is a, 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 even a broader way than I was thinking of it. Well, maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, you know. But look at verse three. I think this is interesting. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. It's like the temptation for the the the, the temptation for the strong brother is to kind of despise the one who 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 won't eat but then it says and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats and so i guess given to my example and very very rarely i might have a thought of judgment towards somebody i might be like hey you know if they're drinking three beers in front of me <laughs> um at this dinner in this ministry setting how much alcohol are they drinking when i'm not around mm. And, and I'm telling you, that's very, very rare. Most of the time, I don't even pay attention. But but my temptation might be to pass judgment on the one who... So that's why I think, you know, in this particular case. But what are some other disputable matters? I mean, I was thinking, I made a list of a whole bunch of them, like wearing masks, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, vaccines, mm -hmm. um, yeah. politics. I mean, there's there's... There's so many. I mean, what, what what do you guys think? I I think you can complicate it as much as you want, and you can keep it as simple as much as you like. It's it's about you know your relationship with God. 
but I also feel like this whole passage kind of creates uh, a contradiction with Romans 12, where, you know, it says, do not be conformed by the temptations of this world, right? Do not be conformed by this world. So isn't alcohol, for that matter, isn't alcohol a temptation? So I don't know if it's kind of a paradox where, you know, you you kind of you kind of stay away from alcohol, but at the same time, you do not, you not do not judge anyone who is having alcohol because it's a it's a case between him and God. I mean, if he is drinking alcohol or if he is coming, you know, any other uh, sins, that is between him and God and not between for you to judge him, right? What what matters for you is that what you are doing instead of what the other person is doing. So I think that's how I look at it. You know, if if, if the other person is putting on a mask or if the other person is us prefer having vaccine, that is his choice. You know, that's his uh, that's his choice, and whatever whatever the situation is, that's between him and God. Like I'm I'm nobody I'm nobody to judge that person. What my responsibility is that I do the things that you know I've been taught, and I do the things that I believe are correct the way that I've, I've read the gospel. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. That there's definitely a part of it here. It's like living according to conscience because he's not saying one or the other is correct, right? But you have to live according to conscience. Val, what do you think? Oh, man, I know I'm 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 thinking here about how as as believers, I'm I'm reading over verse four. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is it is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he would be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. And just thinking. Um, when I, I think again, it you know kind of comes back to the government thing of like we're talking about gray areas here, and we have to be really careful that we make distinctions in that mm-hmm. of what is a gray area and what is not a gray area, and that just comes in, you know, and, and even that can be up for debate among <laughs> people, you know, like, um, but and that comes down to how we interpret God's word and how we read God's word and all of those really important things. Um, you know, and I think it is really important. Like we are called as brothers and sisters in Christ who, when we see somebody walking in sin or in an area that is black and white to bring them back, to talk to them about it, to bring them back. Um, and yet now in verse four, it's saying, but in those gray areas, when scripture doesn't speak directly to it, um, realize that like, they're going to answer to their master who's God them and God, you're going to answer to your, to God also. Um, and, and don't, don't get all in the weeds with your fellow brother over a gray area. Um, and then it goes on later to encourage just to keep the unity between the brethren over the most important things. And I think like, I think the trickiest part, as far as the application of this goes is, um, what is a gray area and what is not based on our interpretation of scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sometimes I think, you know, I'll just say like, even with the masks and the vaccines, sometimes then I think Christians can try to like take an issue that they're passionate about for whatever reason and start to try to like squeeze scripture onto it and make it look like it's a black and white issue when it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's just poor interpretation of scripture to make it 
like it is. So and so it's tricky. It's tricky, but I think that's where the rub is. That's yeah. a good. That's a good point. So, do you think alcohol is a gray area? I, I, I think that God's word teaches us not to be drunk. And but so, then, go ahead. No, please, go please. It. Go ahead. It's it's also about personal conviction, right? I might think that alcohol is a gray area because of the things that you do once you get drunk. So why why go on that path? Mm-hmm. Why why start consuming alcohol in the first place? You know, because if being drunk is a sin, why is uh, drinking alcohol not a sin? Because that's that's pretty much the only way to get drunk. So why is alcohol not a sin, but getting drunk is a sin? So it's, I think it's more about losing your conscience and losing your consciousness is a sin, you know, because when you're not in control of your mind, you could say and do things that God does not want you to do. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think for me, it's about personal conviction. Like for example, Greg eats bacon and I don't eat bacon, but I don't judge him for that. I I will probably never end up eating bacon. And that's- I despise you for that. <laughs> no, I, I judge you for that, Greg. I can't believe you. <laughs> But like I'll I, I don't right eat now. It. <laughs> I don't eat it because of how bad it is for your health, and I don't like the taste, and I got no temptation towards it. But I don't judge Greg for eating it because I believe that he has different taste buds, so he enjoys it, and I'm <laughs> I I I'm completely fine with that. Well, thank even you. Though, thank you. Even though I feel like you know <laughs> it's not great for your health, but I would I will not judge Greg for that, and you know it's also about. Uh, when do you initiate and you see that, you know, a brother going in the wrong direction? If you see that, you know, that person is starting alcohol and probably a few years from now, he might become an alcoholic. Yeah. So where, where do you draw that line? And even if you try and stop him, how do you do it without calling him out? And it's like I said, you know, God knows your heart. So as long as you're doing it with the right intentions, I think you're, you'll be all right. Yeah, I think that's a good example because that's a good example where you're caring for the person. You're doing it for because out of love for that person, you have good intentions mm-hmm. for that person's benefit, not what this is talking about. It's like, you know, judging that person, feeling better than that person, looking down on that person, despising that person, like verse three, like you were saying. But that's what you're talking about is not judgment. It's like, that's like saying, yeah, I see you're on a really bad trajectory and I'm your friend and I love you and this is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And we should <laughs> Yeah. So can we? I'm talking about your bacon. That applies for bacon. Yeah, bacon. Yeah. Man, you got. I got to pray about that one. (laughs) I should eat bacon anymore. I had bacon for breakfast today too. It depends on how much bacon, I guess. But (laughs) no. But can don't we? Don't you guys think? Can't we all agree that the larger theme here is spiritual pride? Maybe. Yeah. That the idea is that as believers, we can be tempted. We're because. One, you know, I've I've often said this, like some of the hardest people to get along with are Christians, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, why? They should be the best, easiest people to get along with. Well, part of it is because my expectations of Christians are so much higher than of other people. And those expectations can lead into these gray areas and can often, you know, make me pass judgment towards them or despise them and everybody's on their own spiritual journey everybody's at a different maturity level everybody has different convictions on these gray years i think it's really genius that paul put this in here 
because he recognized that as a body of Christ, we're going to struggle with um, comparing ourselves with other people and mm-hmm. thinking we're better. And it's kind of that, that, that issue of spiritual pride. Do you, do you guys think that's true? Like that, that, that it, this connects with spiritual pride? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's also a step towards creating that harmony amongst each other, right? How do you, how do you promote harmony with one another? Because the scripture discusses that. But I think that's one way of doing it where you agree with everybody, you know, and you don't judge anybody. So I think that's, 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 it's a step in that direction where you develop that harmony with each other, despite our differences, despite uh, our different opinions on things, we could still exist in the same world without chaos. And like, like we discussed in, in, in the last episode where, you know, I asked you a question that what's the biggest conflict in the world. So I think this is like a way of canceling that conflict. Do not have conflict with each other because conflict starts when you disagree with each other. Yeah, I think one of the key verses here is, is it verse 19 in chapter 14? So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what other versions say, but it's all about what, what we're just talking about. Let's Let's bring unity and let's build each other up. Let's think of the other person. Instead of us looking down on other Christians or <laughs> judging them, <clears throat> What can we do to serve them? And then it talks about earlier in verse uh, 13, you know, don't decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of your brother. Um, so if if we know, like if eating bacon in front of you, Ali, <laughs> is a stumbling block, then I shouldn't eat bacon in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I should That's think, right. of, I should, I should think I should respect you enough to not eat bacon in front of you. Now it's a silly example, but let me just tell you, you're in the clear, man. <laughs> you're very good. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, so that, but then, Greg, if that's the case, should you organize your life? Because if someone's insulted by all kinds of things you could do, and someone's mm-hmm. always going to be insulted by something you could, you do. Mm-hmm. So you do you live your own life by everyone else's convictions? In other words. Someone might look at the, all the choices you make, the clothes you wear, the, 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 the profession you take, everything you do and say, I can't believe he's doing that or she's doing that. And so should you adapt to all those expectations and try to say, well, I've got to live up to, or do you say, look, I can't possibly live up to all those expectations. Um, I think it's, yeah. it's a real question. People say, like, as you're a Christian, a Christian, some, some Christians might look at what your choices you're making and not, and it, 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 it makes them stumble, so you shouldn't do it. And I think you, you're, you started this by saying you have a whole list of things like this. Here's another list, going to movies. Here's some Christians who say you should just not go to movies. Some say, well, you shouldn't go to R-rated movies. Don't go to any movies at all. I say, well, so there's some Christians who wouldn't like it. They saw me going to theater, so I should better never go to a movie again because there's some Christian out there who might see me and stumble. Mm-hmm. So my freedom I should be limited by all their convictions. Mm-hmm. Right? That's... I, I think it's a that's a real issue. May I look? I'm having posed that question. I think the answer is: Look, I'm not going to invite you to a movie if I know that's your conviction. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to respect that, and I won't put I won't serve you bacon, Ollie, if you come over. Okay, <laughs> you know? but 
But I don't think I don't think the interpretation is to gear your life to everyone's expectations because yeah. I don't think it's possible. That would be yeah, that'd be impossible. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that passage says too in thirteen says like, I, I mean, in common language, but never put a stumbling block um, or in the way of a brother. So I think that that shows like that it's something that you intentionally know is a stumbling block for them. And you're like scooting the rock into the sidewalk and hoping they trip on it. No. Yeah. Like, I think yep. that's that's like the image I have in my mind of like, I know that's an issue for them. I'm going to put a stumbling block in their way. Knowing what verse it. were you looking at, Val? What were um, you? In verse 13. Okay. Therefore, do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide. I'm never going to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. You know, like never intentionally. Yeah. 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 And so really I don't know. I think again, you get into those like you can't know everything, but saying out of love and deference to my to my brother, and I'm not gonna intentionally hurt them like I that. I think that's brilliant. I think I think you that's that's a I think you really nailed it with that. that that's that's spot on. Um but here here's a here's a situation. This this uh this happened during COVID and it's COVID's getting in the rearview mirror, so so nice. Right, it's so great because it's hard for people, especially if you're listening outside the United States, to understand the acrimony, the rancor, the disputes in Christian churches over mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, into where you couldn't wouldn't want to talk about it because people got so so passionate, upset about it. But I had one friend; I was having a good, honest conversation with him about it, and uh, talking about. Um, and he, he was someone who did not want to wear a mask. And I said, we were looking at, I said, well, what, what, how do you think about that in light of uh, Romans um, uh, 13? And this is a time when the government was mandating mask wearing. And he said, that's what he didn't like, especially didn't like, because they're telling me I have to, and I don't want to do it. And I have reasons why I don't think it's right, and I don't want to do it. I said, well, it's not sin. And this is the kind of conversation we're having, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's not sin, so shouldn't you do it if it's sin? He said, well... And, he, and the question that he, had, he posed to me is a question I'm posing to all of you. He said, why can't you look at me like the weaker brother? I'm the weaker brother. It's my conviction. It's my conviction not to wear a mask. You, if you think you're a stronger brother, should be tolerating me. You should you should allow me to do this and say, not make me wear because of my conviction. You might think I'm a weaker brother and I am a weaker brother. I don't, I have this is my conviction not to wear a mask. So leave me alone and don't, don't have that mandate to don't push that on down my throat. I don't want to do it. How do you, how do you respond to that interpretation? I'm just a weaker brother. Leave me alone. It's it's like a micro conflict. Well, the problem, the problem is it's so self-centered. That's the, that's the thing I see is like he, the whole idea is that we're to be other centered. Yeah. And so, um, and in his argument, it's an interesting argument, but I would say it just oozes of self-centeredness and him just thinking of himself and even, you know, telling you, you need to, um, and that's exactly, that's not what Jesus would, would do. Jesus would yield to jesus would yield to the those around him and uh so so that would be it's it it is it yeah it's a and that's my thinking on it does anybody else have any thoughts on that 
Uh, I, I, I agree with you because th this could like go on forever and with everything, you know. I, I do not like blue, so Greg should not be wearing blue shirts anymore. <laughs> this could this could this could be anything. So it's I think it's about what you do, what you believe is right in the light of the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's how you and you, that's how you live your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I say, you know, there is there will always be someone disagreeing with you somewhere. So and you cannot please everybody. You can. You can probably you'll you'll end up going crazy if you try and do that, right? right. So it's more about how, it's more about your relationship with God and how you carry on that. Val, what do you think? Would you have an answer for my? <laughs> oh, man, I'd be stressed. This is not hypothetical. This is a real conversation. Yeah, no. Oh, I believe it. I've like I haven't had that exact conversation, but I've had very close to that conversation. But I would say, you know, it's not it that only applies when it's a biblical conviction not a personal right. conviction you know so it's not like you know like to the example of like greg's shirt being blue it's like well show me in the narrative of scripture why you think it's wrong for yeah. me wearing a blue shirt it's like i mean if i know you don't like blue i might as a friend like just not wear it but <laughs> it's not a spiritual issue <laughs> That's not an air area of like brother and sisterhood in the body of Christ together. So I would, I would say, you know, first of all, like, Hey, why is this? Like, it, it has to be a spiritual issue for us to be discussing in this way. Is it? Let's decide that. Yeah. And if it's not an area of sin, then we kind of default to let's obey the government together. And if you still want to be the weaker brother, join me. Join me in being the uh, more mature believer. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's that's that. That. If you acknowledge you're the weaker brother, come join me in the stronger brother. Right. Uh, gotta, let's move together towards that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't think of that. Actually, I don't think I had any decent answer. I always think of the right thing to say 30 minutes later. I've been saying that my whole life. I never think of the right thing to say at the moment. So I didn't think of any of your answers at the time. So but, what I like about what you're saying, Val, is you're saying, we need to really think through, is this a disputable matter? Is this a gray area? And that so many things we make gray areas may not even be gray areas. They're just, they're just like preferences, like yeah. as people, um, yeah. where the, the examples given, given in the text, I mean, those were real issues that they had to deal with. Like this food was being sacrificed to idols mm -hmm. and, um, and then the other one was the Lord's Day, right? Or the or the Sabbath, um, worshiping on, um, you know, on a certain day. Um, so that's an interesting thing because because like as I think about it, you know, so are you saying Val that like masks may not even be a disputable matter because they're not scriptural? <laughs> Well, I don't know how many <laughs> email address and if I want to say that on this podcast. Complicated um, it even I more. I will go out on a limb and say, I, I do. I personally, I, I, I don't see a biblical reason yeah. for not wanting to wear a mask. Well, so, the, what about the, what about the whole idea though, that the government is forcing you to do it? I and, think that's uh, an American value. That's not a Jesus value. Yeah. 
Look, so so send all emails to Greg though. Don't send them to me. <laughs> like I said, sorry, so we're so I'm the guest here. I'm the guest. <laughs> You're the guest. <laughs> well, you I, can I email Val at. No. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jim. Rescue, rescue this conversation. Well, I, I don't have. A, I'm not sure I have a rescue for it. I, I thought the the parallel though is that these people were were had these convictions in Romans 14, where you mentioned like the Sabbath day or the mm -hmm. um, eating meat because they thought I am it's sin if I do that, and I want to follow the Lord, and so it's against my conscience, so I can't eat this. That meat was offered to an idol, and I don't want to eat it, so it's. Sinful. So like, Val, you were saying, this is a spiritual matter. I'm, I'm trying to be a good Christian here. I, I feel bad about eating this meat because it was offered to an idol in a ceremony, and I can't do it. So that's for following the Lord. The example that I think of when someone says, I just, I don't want to do it, is it, 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 for me, it's like saying, I have a deep conviction that I don't want to stop at this stop sign in my neighborhood. I mean, there's a stop sign in my neighborhood. I think it's, I think it's worthless. It's, there's no point. So I just don't want to stop it anymore. And I'm a weaker brother, and that's my conviction not to stop at the stop sign and say, but it's it's a law. You have to stop at the stop sign. Yeah, well, I, I don't like that law, and I disagree with that law. And my conviction is not to stop, not to obey that law. And I think maybe the simple answer is Romans 13 doesn't allow you the freedom to have a conviction to disobey the law. Yeah. You don't have that. That's freedom. Romans 13 kind of takes that away. You can't say my conviction is to not pay taxes. It's my conviction. Leave me alone. No, that's not biblical. Right. right? Mm. So, but all the convictions here where people are trying to follow the Lord, not trying to say, I just want to do what I want to do. And I don't want someone to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. um, there's all kinds of things the government tells me to do. I don't like, I don't, you know, and, but we've got to do it anyway. But it was such a mind twister for me. I, I had honestly, when I was posting, I I had, no, I had no idea what to say. So, yeah. Thanks for indulging me in wrestling with it. With that is very interesting. But let's dive into chapter fifteen just briefly, um, looking at the first part because in the, in chapter fourteen he talks about the weak brother, but now he brings up the strong, and so uh, chapter fifteen says, "We who are strong have an obligation to to beat with the failings of the weak." and not to please ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach, me, reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then he says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together uh, that together you may with one voice glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another in, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? It seems like a good kind of... Um, you know, emphasis on, again, it's about building each other up and helping each other. And, and your little story, Jim, it seemed like the guy, there was none of that. He wasn't thinking about uh, other people. Uh, he was just thinking about himself. And um, well, I think the, and that little story, the conviction of someone who fairly 
felt very strongly that masks were a bad idea and I don't think it's right. I don't think they're... all those all those reasons people have for not wanting to wear masks would say, look, but for the failings of the week, you people that want to wear them, I'll put it on and not please myself. Right. And so I'll try to do that. Yeah, so um, again, it was such, such a controversial issue. It's hard, like, hard for people who were not part of it to understand how strong the feelings were on each side of that issue. It was something that the rest of the world did not seem to have a struggle with. Um, but look, maybe the, maybe the answer here, Greg, is if you just took this tack with every issue, all these things, whether it's alcohol, masks, movies, all those things, you're saying, I'm trying to all the time is please other people. I'm really trying to think of others first. And, and, and the, 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 the sin of self-absorption or self-centeredness that I've got burning inside me, I'm trying to wrestle with that and not have that rule in my life and trying to live for others. If that was more... Ali, I'm thinking of what you were saying before. If that was more your guiding principle, that was your, what your conscience was doing, you'd be all right. Yeah. Hey, one other thought, Greg, if I could mention it. I think just verse three is interesting because I've heard this said before um, so many times in scripture. Someone said every time in scripture. I, I, I guess I don't know if it's universal, but I think of there where, God, where there's a rule that comes out in, 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 in God's word. It says, you should do this. Like here, you should, we are strong, have an obligation to bear the feelings of the weak. This is what you should do. Then it's immediately followed by, for consider Jesus, who did it all for you, <laughs> right? So you should be generous. And then um, for consider Christ, who though he had all, everything at the, at the side of the Father, gave it all on the side and, and, and left it all and gave it all for you, um, which actually is a passage somewhere. I can't think of it right now. But that, but I think that pattern is, it may not be universal, but it happens again and again and again and again in scripture. It's like, yes, here's the rule you should follow. You'll never be able to follow it fully. You'll never be, if you really tried, you'll never be able to do it. But there is one who did it for you and mm. it in your place. And if you look at him and you say, not just because he's the example to say, here, I did it right, do, do what I do, but he did it for you in your place and gave it to you. So therefore... You're right. Jesus didn't live to please himself. Jesus wasn't saying, I don't, I don't have to do this. You know, I don't have to die for these people. He could have said that, but he didn't. And he set aside all those rights he had for us. Anyway, uh, I, I just highlighted that when I was reading this mm -hmm. today, like the, just for Christ in verse three, because that pattern, I, that ever since I heard that, I started looking for it everywhere in scripture when I see it now, to try to see it. Oh, that's cool. That's a great, man, that's a great reminder mm -hmm. and good word. Any other thoughts uh, on chapter 15? I love verse 13. This It's kind of like a prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Yeah, I just love that. I love that verse. I, it's a great memory verse. Um, so... I think just kind of in conclusion, kind of wrapping this all up, uh, let's just talk about how the gospel is the key to understanding how to live this out. Like that this is not something we're just like, you know, doing, doing in our flesh or we're not trying to follow these rules. Um, that the only way we can truly live this kind of life, you know, in regards to the government, in regards to loving other believers, um, in regards to, you know, making an impact is 
through the gospel. Anybody want to talk about that? So true, Greg. It's so true. That's why we're gospel addicts, right? <laughs> so can't, can't get enough. It's, it's, it's the driving force of your whole life once you start getting into your heart and realize what he's done for you, right? So, Val, I'm hoping you see it because you work with people all the time and training people up to kind of serve the Lord and in full-time Christian ministry. I hope you, you see that too, God, the gospel drive in your life and what you do for what you do for a living and what you're trying to build in other people as well i'm sure you see that too yeah no it's i mean it uh it, it's such a beautiful thing to say you know like we we do we do follow these rules we follow these principles but we do that because that's what jesus has done mm. and we just want to be like jesus mm, amen. so then wherever the chips fall they fall but we are trying to follow in the in the pattern of jesus um and that as we do that, as lights, as lights, hopefully somewhat close to maybe looking a little bit like Jesus, <laughs> that that'll be the aroma of life to those around us, you know, but, but what, it, yeah, I just think it's such a beautiful thing. Like it is a whole paradigm shift from religion to just wanting to be like Jesus because of who he has been to us, you know, and um yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's a, such a simple truth, but it's, it change it changes everything changes everything about us when you were talking i was just thinking of that verse i think it's in colossians when christ who is our life is revealed then we also will be revealed with him in glory it's christ our life christ is our entire life yeah and mm -hmm. just the way you were describing maybe think of that verse that you know that's you know and again that's why we're gospel addicts because once jesus gets a hold of your heart it's what you live for and and ali i know that you've been a christian for couple years now right so jesus mm -hmm. got a hold of your heart too and you feel that you see that you see the transformation the change in your life and and it's uh it's 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 uh i don't know greg so we always say it's change from the inside out right it's <laughs> yeah christ, christ our life yeah and look at look at verse uh 18 in chapter 15 paul's paul even kind of brings us up for i will I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Mm. You know, he's Paul saying it's all about Christ. It's not about him. Um, wow. And that's a Christian who accomplished a lot. Wrote the book of Romans. <laughs> that's right. He wrote the book of Romans. Anybody have any final, any final thoughts? I don't know that we, uh, um, you know, this is, you know, like a, what I love about these chapters is they're so practical because we we do have to figure out because we all live under a government and we have to figure out like uh, how, how do we how do we live under the government that mm -hmm. um, we, we all have to deal with Christians with different convictions. And so how can we love each other? and defer to each other and um so i think it's just there's some really great practical stuff here any any final thoughts from you guys go for it yeah <laughs> you kind of pointed out i think these are like docs mini doxologies like chapter 11 was a doxology ended with a doxology transition to chapter 12. yeah 
in that, you know, verse five and six, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You highlighted that before, but it's a nice way to end. And this other verse you highlighted, verse 13, I think I'm going to try to get it written out somewhere and put on my walls a plaque or something. It's such a great verse to think about. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I know you read them before, but there's, I think they bear repeating maybe a, a good way to kind of wrap things up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.